there was a period of time in my life when I was um, kind of in between, you know, where we had been serving and what God was going to do next in our life. And I was working this night job so I could be with the kids during the day. And my wife was working through the day and was like, felt like I wasn't hardly sleeping at all. I got this kind of strange opportunity to have a day off. And I'd been staring across the, the lobby of the hotel where I'd been working at this, this, this rack of pamphlets. Now, you know, if you've been anywhere in the touristing part of the world, you see these racks, right? They have all these things. Come and see this place and this place. And there's one that really stood out to me and it made me really look hard. And it was this beautiful butterfly. And then this butterfly was, was on this thing, and it was like, and then I went up and looked at the thing, and it says, the Holocaust Museum. And I thought, what does a butterfly have to do with the Holocaust Museum? And so I have this opportunity, you know, my wife works in, in, in Houston proper, and so we're going to go down and, um, for some reason, be down there when she's at work through the day. And I thought, well, I'll go over and take a look at this thing. And, and I knew that the exhibit was going to leave before too long, and so I thought, I want to see this. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I want to see it. And I walked in, and it wasn't just about a few minutes into understanding what it really was. And I was moved with emotion just to this devastating kind of reality was setting in on me. What they had done is they had asked grade schoolers across the, across the United States, maybe the world, to, uh, to, to draw or to fold or to create in some way, meaningful way, a small butterfly that could be put on display. And there was one of these made for every child that was claimed by the Holocaust. And it was at that moment that I realized the magnitude of this, that I was just, I was standing there, and I'm this, this grown man, and I'm, I'm sleep-deprived, so maybe, maybe a little more emotional than I should be. And I'm doing everything just not to fall apart right there, because I realized how desperately our world was shattered you know, and how much we needed a shepherd and how, how deeply we needed the, the person of Jesus to be a part of the story. And, and, and I'm just standing there, and the, the young lady that had sold me the ticket, because I, mean, I hadn't even got really into the, into the museum, I just was standing there in the foyer just looking at this, these, all these butterflies. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. And then the reality is, is that I begin to realize the deep need for, for, for a shepherd, and we're going to learn all about... Um, Jesus as good shepherd this morning as we talk about an aspect of, of the church where Jesus shepherds us and as a result we take special care and measure to make sure that we are doing what's right by caring for the church and take, taking care of the entrances and making sure that the safety of our, of our, of our, our audience as well as the young people is in place. But, but I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10 verse number 11. We're going to look at 11 through 16. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. If you would stand in honor of God's word. It says in John chapter 10, verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. And he does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we look at the scriptures that we are reminded about your character and who you are, and I pray, Lord, that we would be as your sheep, followers of you. 
Lord, we just pray, Lord, that in all of this, that this broken world, this, this, this deeply shattered image that we see all around us, Lord, that because we have a shepherd that will guide us through it, Lord, that we have comfort in the fold. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would realize our deep need for you and just keep following your voice. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, real, real just simple first point right off the bat is that Jesus is our shepherd. Now, one of the things that, that I, I try to stress and we talk about some of the important pieces when we look at, at the, uh, the measure of, of the, the office of serving in any different capacity of the church is that we have, you know, got a lot of different volunteers that work in a lot of different capacities, and there are still lots of opportunities to serve, and you might be kind of thinking to yourself, you know, well, what does this have to do with me? I shared a, a video with Barrick and, and with Summer about, about a, a man who was was at church and he wasn't really sure about church life. He wasn't sure about Christians and he, and in his measure, he's like, somebody asked him to work in the coffee, and he's like, it was through that service that he did that he began to really love the people that he served, um, and it was really it's really a neat story. But the measure of it is, is when we when we come here, one of the things that we ask people to do, kind of quietly, just to be invisibly part of our our structure, is is that we have some people watching our doors. We have some people that are paying attention to people that are coming in or out. And, you know, we used to call this security, and I kind of transitioned that to safety because what I want is for everybody that comes here to be in an environment they feel welcome and comfortable to be able to come and worship. And as a result, you know, there is a security aspect to it, but safety is the bigger picture. They're also paying attention to, to, to other aspects, but, but specifically in this regard. And we learn to do this because we see what Jesus does. Jesus shepherds, and he takes care of the safety of the flock, and he manages these things, and he puts himself in between us and the dangers. And that's what these men are trying to model. These are ladies that want to be a part of it as well. You know, my hope is, is that you didn't even know they existed, that they're just serving invisibly in such a way that they're helping you to feel comfortable to come here so that one of the chief objectives of your pastor is, is to try to remove as many obstacles as possible of people coming to Jesus. I hope that you see that, that that's something that we're trying to do at every turn. We're trying to make sure that there's a clear path to Jesus. And when we see this beginning passage, it says, I am the good shepherd. And we know that Jesus is our shepherd. And that everyone else will fall short. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But he says, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now this is, this is something that the, the Hebrew audience that Jesus was teaching, the, the men who were raised in Israel and the Middle East would have understood shepherding language. They would have seen it in their culture. They would have known it. You know, isn't it something that when you come to the dinner table today that oftentimes people who have no idea about the farming aspect of things, they have no idea of what it means to tend a flock. And then there are other people that have every understanding of it and they're like, they don't, they don't know, you know. We were talking about the ice and the bad weather a couple weeks and, and you know, and it's like, my encouragement is, is that if you don't have to be out, don't. But for those that have flocks, you have to be out. You have to be out there. Jesus was in a situation where tending his flock meant that he was going to be in danger for doing so. But he's like, I have to be out. I have to do the thing. I have to go. doesn't matter if there's, if there's sunshine. And we love those days, don't we? I used to work outside when I was younger, and we always used to joke around, if you could bottle this day up, we sure would, because, man, we're going to miss it in February. Or, man, we're going to miss it in August. You know, sometimes the sunlight is a, is a welcome thing, and sometimes it's the, the other side. It's like, man, if we could get a break. But Jesus is giving this clear picture of his life and laying his life down and putting his life at harm. You know, oftentimes we'll encourage 
encourage everyone to think through the whole process. Think about every aspect of this, what it takes to, 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 to go from the beginning to the end of every process. Sometimes we just take for granted that we come in and enjoy the thing, and we forget about all the other pieces. Verse 12 takes an interesting shift. It says, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming. Now, I love this bit. And oftentimes, oftentimes when you look at the scriptures, there's, there's the story that's there that we kind of glaze over because it's just there. It doesn't say if. It says that he sees the wolf coming. Did you, I mean, are you aware that there are wolves? I mean, I don't know about you, but if you sit out here of a, on a nice night, you can hear them sing in harmony. All the predators are out there, and they're talking to each other, and they're telling each other where they found food or where, or, or to stay away from. They are talking, and you can hear them. There are, there are, there are wolves that are coming at, at the whole measure of this thing. You know, and, you know, I don't know if you realize it or not, and I'm not trying to, to alarm anybody or scare anybody, but you only have to sit through one training on church safety and security with people who have actually studied some of the active moments where things have gone wildly inappropriately wrong in churches where you're like, no, we need to take this seriously. I remember some of the guys, we went to a training when I was in Texas, and they were talking about it, and, and you know, Oklahoma doesn't own, you know, like the, the, the fascination with, with being well-armed and being ready for the, for the obstacles that come at you. Texas, you know, likes to think that they're ahead of you in this regard, and there's one or two in here that would say that they could testify to that, but, but the reality is is that even these guys from Texas were like, I had no idea. I had no idea. And they got all hopped up, and they were ready to check my wife's bag. And she's like, you will not check my bag. I'm not a threat to you. And they said, how do we know? And she's like, because I'm going to show you who's a threat if you keep looking at my bag. But these guys were, were adamant about, you know, hey, we've got we to change some of the way we do this. I remember it was in those conversations that we had that, that they had begun to allude to the possibility of what might happen if this thing that was in front of us um, got more serious, and they were talking about, you know, recent illnesses that were all in the news. And man, and I'll be if they didn't just just say it like it was. They were like, "How many people have to get sick before they start shutting things down?" And when they started shutting things down, I was like, "We weren't well prepared, but we we could not have imagined that that conversation we would have had that day." And it's amazing how when you look at this picture of the hireling who sees the wolf, is like, "I'm going to worry about myself." I'm not going to worry about the sheep. And it says, they flee. And that's the danger, right? And you see this picture. And for point number two is that none of us will ever be as good as Jesus as shepherd. You know, I, I want you to, to, really, to really marinate on that for just a moment, right? Um, I have studied for a long time and have pastored for a couple decades now and, and have been in the process of of doing this started when I was 19 years old, you know, just surrendered to Jesus and started working in this capacity in some way, shape, or form. And as a result, I have watched some of my heroes make moral failures. I have watched great celebrities in faith do things that were wildly out of character. I've watched people be tore down. I have looked back at history and seen the flaws of some of the great people of history. And you know what you ultimately learn is? None of these people were Jesus. None of these people were ever going to be Jesus. They were never going to live up to it. I tell people when we study First and Second Samuel like we are now and on Wednesday nights that, that when you get to the flaws of the people there, what you're really learning is, is that David could never be the Messiah. And if he had not had the flaws in his life, then we would have worshipped him instead of Jesus. 
So when you look at a person, understand you will see flaws. And when you see this picture and we begin to realize that, that who should we be chasing? We should be chasing Jesus. We should be listening to his voice. We should be holding on to him in absolutely everything. Because we oftentimes forget that we are not in any way, shape, or form in charge of the flock. We are followers of Jesus, servants among servants. Some of us in leadership responsibilities to be servants, lead servants among other servants, and that's all we are. And verse 13 says, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. You know, I, I love the stories about, um, and I, they, I'm told, and, and recently something popped up, and it says, you get to be about a certain age, and you have to make a decision as a man. Are you going to get into, like, smoking meat, or are you going to get into studying World War II? You know, and some of you are like, I, I hear that. I smoke a little meat, and I like World War II. I kind of straddle the, the thing, okay? I was asked in the interview process, it's, trust me, it's dry rub. Sauce, if you like, afterwards, but not before. Amen? Some of you will, will, will resonate with that. But the picture here is, is that we, we, you know, in the process of, of understanding that as I've become getting to this certain age in life, you begin to, to realize that there are things that we wildly understand differently. We see things dramatically, uniquely differently. And we understand that, that there's this wrong thinking sometimes that approaches us about, about what we should be doing. And, and the thing that I keep reminding myself and others is that I keep looking to Jesus and I keep leading people to Jesus and I keep hoping because the moment that we lift the, the people up and they take their eyes off of Jesus and they look too hard at the people, they will have been looking at the wrong thing. And so I hope that when you come to church that what you see is you see the shepherd of Jesus that he is, that he is tending all of us. He's tending me. I'm part of his flock. Is he tending you? Are, you? are you submitting to his tending of you? Because he's leading our flock. And as soon as I realized, you know, that, that I could never be as good at, at this as, as Jesus could, then I thought, man, I need to get smooth out of the way. I'll, I'll never be more impacted in, in the statement on parenting than I was by my 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 good friend in high school's father who happened to be a pastor of a, of a church in Tulsa. And I sat, I sat and listened to sermons of his because I would go and hang out with my friend and, and they would invite me to church and I would sit there and his father would say, you know, I used to think that I was really messing my kids up. And he goes, and I probably was because I was trying too hard to be 100% in control of everything about them. And he goes, it wasn't until I began to let go of that and give them to Jesus that I began to see them change. And I began to see the things in them that I was trying to control out of them that didn't work. And he's like, and he said that, and I thought, wow, what a, what a, what a, a word of, of encouragement to say that no matter what is happening, that we need to let Jesus lead us. We need to let him lead our children. We need to let him lead our, our, our peers. We need to let him lead ourselves. We need to let him lead. And we need to stop trying to be in charge of all these other aspects. The servant's model and the servant's heart that Jesus gives us is that he didn't come to be served but to serve. I don't know, you know, I've already kind of alluded to the, to the, the agricultural life of the world. Trust me, for those that I know that own flocks and that tend animals, they will tell you when they come in at the end of the day and they have as much manure as dirt on them, they will tell you they do not feel like they're in charge of anything. They feel like that they are the servant of the entire, entire herd, that they don't, 
They don't, they don't see the magnitude of the reality until you're in it. For anybody that's like, oh, man, that must be nice. And they said, yeah, come with me. We'll go amongst dolls. It's real nice. You know, the ribbon on show day doesn't, doesn't tell you the story of all the animals that they had to clean and trim and, and medicate when they get sick and take care of them and bury them when they, when they don't make it. And there's this picture. And you begin to realize when you become a servant that it's so much more important than you. Well, Jesus turns again and he, he begins to give us this really cool encouragement. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. And he tells us something here. And there's something that, that I took great comfort in knowing this. this when, I, when I began to really study the Bible, I began to really kind of dig into the parts of this where, where I had felt somewhat anonymous in some ways. You know, I, I love my family. I was the youngest of four. When you're a younger sibling, sometimes you can just be just in the shuffle and you kind of have to interrupt people and you have to say things and you have to kind of make a scene sometimes to be noticed. And I was bad about all of that, trust me. I still catch myself, my sister's here, she'll tell you that's absolutely accurate. I still catch myself apologizing. That was rude of me, I shouldn't have interrupted you. That was rude of me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, have, you know. And I still, I'm still working on that. But the reality is, is that when you, when you live in a world where what you want is to know that anybody cares, is to know that absolutely anyone knows what's going on with you, to know that there is anyone who sees your flaws and is still not going to run you out because of it. And you're like, wow, who could possibly live up to that? Well, I can tell you who can live up to it. His name is Jesus, and he says it right here. I know my sheep, and I'm known by them. And he speaks to the measure of that he knows you. He knows your name. He knows, he knows all the things. He knows the thing that you don't want anybody else to know because you're just afraid that if they knew it, that they wouldn't want you to be around. He knows the thing that you don't want to tell your spouse. He knows the thing that you don't, that you don't want to even talk about in your, your connect group because he, he knows that you don't want people to reject you. He knows all of this. And there's this beautiful picture of him as shepherd saying, I know them. And if that doesn't encourage you about a creator, savior that is shepherd and servant, then you are missing the opportunity to have a dynamic relationship with the creator of the world that, that is not scared of you or not going to shun you because of the things that you haven't told anybody else. Now, he may not want you to stay that way. And change is part of the narrative. Change is part of the thing of being part of the flock. He will change us. You know, we, we oftentimes get to the picture when you look at the, the shepherd and they talk about sheep. I don't know about you, but shearing day, I'm told, is quite the event. I don't know enough about it to speak eloquently of it, but I will tell you, it comes regularly and frequently. And I think about church life that oftentimes the shearing comes frequently and regularly with us too when we come to the scripture and it tells us to change something about us. And here come the clippers and we're like, oh, he's, he's in control. He's going to change us whether we want to be changed or not. Let's let him go ahead and have his way and let's not fight this. Let's get the haircut of the Savior, right? Some of the parents in this room are like, man, I wish my kid would hear that. Some of the kids in here are like, I wish my parents wouldn't say that. But the reality is, is that Jesus talks about knowing us. Wow. You know, one of the things that I've learned about people is that there's a dynamic sense of insecurity in most people. 
Now, they won't tell you where their insecurity is, but that's one of the things that I found that everybody has. Everybody has some bit of insecurity about something. And as a result, that will drive them to make decisions. If you know a wolf exists and you don't belong to a right, proper shepherd, your insecurity will drive you and scatter you. But if you're holding on to the right shepherd and not putting the wrong things as leading, leading your life, you will find that you can follow his voice even when the wolves are out there. And you can be like, hey, I'm, I'm okay. Why? Because I trust my shepherd. I trust him. And you see this picture. That was point number three, by the way, is that Jesus knows each of us. Verse 15. And it says, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I laid down my life for the sheep. Man. You know, when I was standing there in the midst of that museum and looking at all those butterflies, I was reminded that the, the, the Murrah building, you know, the, the small chairs at the, at the memorial in Oklahoma City, and I was reminded of that moment. And I was reminded of this picture of... of of the world that we live in is, is, is been affected throughout history and continues to be affected. And even what's happening in the world stage now, you know that there are young people, there are innocent people that are, are damaged and wounded because of, the, because of the situation, the conflicts between nations and the conflicts between people. And you see these things happening all around us. And you realize that when you see those images and, and you feel this sense of hopelessness well up in you, that I'm reminded of the scripture that tells me the dynamic story of one thing that I can hold on to for no matter what else ha- occurs. And that is that even when I see those moments and, I, and I'm questioning the ability that I realize that Jesus is telling us that he has already led out in front of the, the flock to, to put himself in danger to protect us for the eternity to come to make sure that we are part of the fold. And he has done so in such a way that he says he lays his life down. And we know that because he knows us, because he understands that we can't do it for ourselves, that that laying down of his life was for you. It wasn't this ambiguous situation where he lays his life down for everyone because he does, but specifically you by name. He knows his flock, and when he lays his life down, he lays it down for you. And that's powerful. And if you haven't embraced him as shepherd, then I encourage you to do that very thing. You know, the the measure of all of these scriptures mapped out, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, as we begin to look at this series and talk about it and kind of pray about where we were headed, and we get to this picture that when we talk about the, the, the well-being of our church and the, and the, the safety of our, of our, our, our team monitoring this, the situation to make sure that, that we can come here and worship. You know, I told my wife early on in our relationship before we got, before we got to the place where we were ready to, to make promises and exchange, you know, the realities, I just told her, I said that someday this measure might might cost me my whole life, and I'm willing to give it to my, my Savior. And I don't know if you've thought about it to that extent, but there are moments in following him where you realize that if you're going to model his life, if you're going to take it on as your own blueprint, you're going to have to be ready to, to serve others in such a way that sometimes you'll have to get in the midst of a, of a dangerous moment. But because we have his sacrifice already, I'm okay with whatever he asks of me. I'm okay with absolutely anything that he asks of me to do. The picture of the, of the, 
the, the literal number of every single child across all the museums that had those butterflies. And you realize that every single one of them was known by Jesus. And every single one of them, a sacrifice was made and paid for them, whether they knew it or not. Verse 16 says, Another sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus' prayers throughout John are beautiful. You get into the high priestly prayer later in the, in the chapters, and you find this picture that he is constantly asking for, for this picture. And one of the things he talks to his, his heavenly father about is, is that, that they would be one. He speaks it here, and he says this fold is one. Even if they don't belong to this room, one. We have one Savior. We have one sacrifice. We have one salvation. And it knows your name. He knows your name, and it's offered to you. Have you accepted it today? Do you know it? Do you hear his voice? Are you letting the world and all the insecurities and all the things, all the fears and all the wolves on the horizon, all the, all the things that, that, that plague us with fear, are you letting that creep in? Or are you following your shepherd? Will you follow your shepherd? We need to follow him. Today you might be in this place and you might be saying, I've never followed Jesus and I'm going to stand in the moment down here at the front and I'm going to invite you to come. And if you want to come talk to me about following Jesus for the first time and knowing his voice, I would love to share with you as someone who's done it himself. But you also might be here saying, I already followed Jesus, but I have a lot of fear about the things around me. And I want to come and I want to recommit to just listening to Jesus and to hearing him and being, being in a place where we, where we ask for forgiveness for maybe not listening to him. And we want to come to this altar and we just want to lay down maybe all of the things in our life. And you're welcome to do that. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to pray. I know the musicians are going to come and we're going to have an opportunity to respond. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you for this time and, and as we look to the scriptures to be reminded, Lord, that our world is in deep, deep need of a, of a, of a shepherd that will be heard I pray that our, our ears would turn to you and we would hear you. That we would each one be guided by you. That we would listen clearly to your scriptures, Lord, to, to your teaching, Lord, to, to know your voice. And I pray, Lord, that we would have some bit, of, some bit of safety and security in the midst of this. Knowing that the world around us is chaotic. Knowing that there are indeed dangerous things all around us. But knowing that there's no safer place in the whole world than with you. Let us follow you. Let us come to you. Let us lay down our fears. Let us lay down our insecurities. Let us, let us surrender them to trust you as our good shepherd. We ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen.